and it's recording. Okay, this is your class. This is for you. You are the empty nesters. So this uh, material that we're going to be studying over the year, it's uh, organized into six classes. We're going to tackle that first one tonight called the gray zone, okay? And uh, I've uh, kind of dubbed each class a particular zone, and you'll appreciate that last one, okay? So uh, we're going to do this over the year, but I just want to tell you that uh, you guys and gals, you're the inspiration behind us, and this is for you. And what Gene and I will share this year is because of your journeys of faith as well, not just ours. And I'm so excited and um, just feel really, really grateful that we have such a marvelous group, okay? Uh, this is a group which uh, has impacted Gene and I in immense ways. I mean, whether we're serving together uh, as uh, deacons and elders, or uh, some have worked with our children in discipling relationships, you know, you guys mean so much to us. So anyway, this first slide, we're going to tackle tonight goodness and knowledge. I will give you a uh, short Bible reference for each class and a title like this one tonight is Quality Quiet Times That Lead to Generational Lift. The main theme for the Empty Nesters program this year is generational lift versus generational drift. So that is what should be in the back of your mind each time we go through these classes. Okay, well, I've uh, put up there a theme scripture for this introductory class, so why don't you read along with me? Uh, silently, though, otherwise you'll mess up the audio here. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Christ Jesus, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours, in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort 
to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what I refer to as the St. Peter Guarantee. You will never fall away if you continually add to your faith these seven things we're going to discuss in our class this year. Just for a little excitement. And uh, if you'll join me, just going to say a prayer. Lord God, may your Holy Spirit work through the fellowship tonight and during each subsequent time we meet to enable all of us to grow in these character qualities in increasing measure. Indeed, Lord, by the end of this year, may our entire fellowship experience a renewed sense of effectiveness in our faith. Furthermore, God, may you produce through us a faith that promotes generational lift rather than generational drift here in this church. All of these petitions we request for your own glory and goodness because it is only by our knowledge of you that any of these things are possible. Amen. Amen. Okay, back to the gray zone. Now I'll explain later why I chose the color gray for the name of the zone, but I'm sure some of you are already suspicious. <laughs> Suffice it to say, it is not solely because most of us here in this room who've not colored our hair are wearing a lot of gray on top of our heads. But be that as it may, the character qualities of goodness and knowledge. Hmm. What is goodness? Is this what comes to mind? Goodness or godness is best summed up by the phrase, in my opinion, Christ formed in you, which is taken from Galatians 4.19, which actually, for those of you who've been around, our fellowship spent the entire year of 2015 studying. Therefore, I don't like to repeat myself, we're not going to cover goodness tonight. Okay? Hope you're not too disappointed. So, I have a homework assignment for you. Yeah, aren't you all excited? <laughs> Check out the bodybuilders classes offered on the Commonwealth Academy website, which is linked to our home church, our church home webpage. Okay? Now, some of you might be a little intimidated by that task. So, I'm going to show you how to do it. You ready? This is what you're ultimately going to do. And I'm going to check up on you in six weeks. Okay? I'll try not to embarrass you, but I'm going to take this seriously. So what do you first do? Go to our church homepage and click on the resources tab. Then look for the more resources tab and click on that, which will bring up this menu. So you look down under leadership resources, and you see Bodybuilders 3, solution-focused discipling. And so you click on that tab, and it brings up this beautiful screen here. And so what you want to do is 
then scroll down to the bottom of that screen and there it is. View, download the PDF presentation slides and then you click on that and voila, you're there. Okay? Nice. Quiz in the morning. <laughs> now, Ed's done a fantastic job on this information and the Commonwealth Academy, but here as elsewhere, I really believe that Christian life in its truth is likeness to God, the source and perfection of all good. So this is not just businessy. I'm really talking about God tonight. And so it is with this second topic. What is knowledge? That's why I made that Genesis 2 reference, okay? I'm sure this is kind of prompting that uh, inference there. But a typical definition for knowledge is facts, information, and skills acquired by a person through experience or education. Though obtaining more Bible knowledge is useful, I still believe the pursuit of wisdom will be even more beneficial to us, as I'm kind of humorously alluding to. Now, although the distinction between knowledge and wisdom is becoming more blurred in our culture, what is clear is that nowadays, respect for older folks is becoming less commonplace. Worse yet, perhaps some seniors in our fellowship do not feel needed or respected. And I just have to personally give you an aside here, you know, my, our friendship with, with you all, particularly the seniors, has been so encouraging to us. I mean, in our, in our Bible study group, we have uh, women of amazing senior faith. Denise Kozil, Barbara Jackson, and newbies like Tony, you know, whose faith and journeys of faith are so encouraging to us. And, and, and me personally, there's, uh, there's what I consider the mighty senior warriors of faith in the gray zone area, especially. You know, people like uh, George Limboris mm -hmm. and uh, Stu Hutchins, and both of them couldn't be here tonight due to health concerns. But, you know, you guys are such a joy and inspiration to Gene and I. I just wanted you to know that. All righty. Typically, it is assumed that with years we grow wiser. But is that a given? Has wisdom accompanied our gray hairs? Is wisdom something we've strongly encouraged or emphasized in our own character growth? What we're going to examine tonight is not just things we need to know, but more so who we need to become. So just... What does wisdom look like? According to my grandson Cameron's mother, this is what wisdom looks like. But how does the Bible view wisdom? According to the gospel writer Luke, it was his best way of describing Jesus' early life. For example, Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom. 
and the grace of God was with him. Further down in chapter 2, verse 52, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I conclude that to pursue wisdom is to pursue being like Jesus. And I think that's what we're all here for. Okay, since we live in this Ask Google, Ask Wikipedia era, let's examine the Wikipedia definition of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to think and act using knowledge, using understanding, using common sense, using insight, and using experience. The most encouraging of these five elements for wisdom for all of us in this room should be experience. This is one thing that all of us empty nesters have. And we qualify for simply because of our age. Okay? (laughs) Wear it proudly. However... Are the younger disciples more likely to ask you or Siri for direction in their life? If not you, why? Now, there are some good things and bad things about living in this informational age. But one drawback I see is the following. While driving it around town, have you ever noticed what you know, people are doing when they're stopped at a red light nowadays? Compared to what we did when we were their age? You know? Back in our day, you know, it's one of those back in my day stories. We'd be, okay, what FM station? You know? But nowadays it's information, information, communication, okay? My concern is do we allow ourselves time in the day? for reflection, to reflect on things that really matter, like discernment in our character. Well, where does discernment come from? Discernment is to possess wisdom and be of good judgment, especially so with regard to subject matter often overlooked by others. Or as a 19th century uh, famous preacher preacher said, Charles Spurgeon, aptly stated, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Most of us don't struggle over things that are clearly either black or white, but about things that lie between black and white. That is the gray zone, okay? But the comedian Billy Crystal summed up this struggle well. By the time a man is wise enough to watch his step, he's too old to go anywhere. (laughs) But the Bible teaches that discernment is something that can be learned, and discipleship is the conduit for learning discernment. And now for some practical advice. If the internet, for example, Google, is your primary reference source for more scholarly Bible study. And hey, look, this this is my primary reference source. 
I don't have a library full of books like Reverend Anton, okay? And you don't necessarily have to either, but first examine the author's potential bias. For example, are they representing their own website or a particular denomination more so than what the Bible says? What kind of seminary training do they have? Conservative versus liberal. You'll want to, well, for example, follow my suit. You know me, Mr. Science. I mean, this, this website caught my eye. I thought, wow, I can really enjoy reading some good apologetic material out of this website. But it didn't take me long, after much digging, to determine the philosophy of this website's authors was biased towards substantiating their already publicized beliefs. You have to be careful. Okay? Another way to avoid similar dogmatic traps is by using multiple sources and authors to vet opinions. Okay? Thirdly, watch out for the author and this happens a lot, who simply cites theological dictionary definitions, well, this word means this in the Greek, or this word means this in the Hebrew. Then that's it. And then goes on to espouse his you know, belief system. But they don't supply the necessary expertise to analyze, yeah, it's in the dictionary, but is that the most commonly understood by scholars use of that word, translation of that word. This is extremely important. And fourthly, personally, I get the most out of reading, I know this is kind of boring, but <laughs> thesis research papers on a particular subject prepared by doctoral candidates from various seminaries. It's amazing the balance and the depth that you can get just by reading it. And most of them are PDF'd. And they're there on the internet. You just have to look for them. Okay? Now, if the topic is controversial or your findings are somewhat unorthodox, then please, please consider running by, you know, your thoughts by your ministry leaders or congregational teachers before solidifying your conclusions. All right. Wait, if you're currently not participating in a deliberate Bible study curriculum, then how about considering a topical study from fruit passages like Galatians 5, 22 through 23, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, or James 3, 17, or maybe even elder deacon and their wives' qualifications like from Titus 1, 6 through 9, 1 Timothy 3, 2 through 12, to grow in your Christ-likeness. Secondly, Consider a survey of Old and New Testament characters to grow in your biblical discernment. Learn from them. That's why they're in the Bible. Third, you can ask your what? Ask your spouse for suggested topics to study. Ask your discipling partner for what do I need to grow in? Oh my goodness, what a thought. Fourth, share with your spouse or others in your ministry, what decisions you've made from recent lessons or sermons. Is this characteristic of your life every 
every week. Lastly, consider how you can become a better student of the Bible by attending Bible Talk Leaders meetings. They're awesome. You're welcome to come. Or maybe you can join a Bible Breakfast Club meeting, you know, by the Honorable Bill Throne. And I'm not aware of any other open to the public ones, but, you know, if there are, talk about them. You know, get it made known. Okay. Now, some personal gray zone examples. Here's what I mean. So, <clears throat> some of the more obvious or black and white conclusions from Genesis 3 are, I mean, we can name a bunch, but bottom line, Adam and Eve tried to get away from God in the garden after they sinned. Now, what I'm suggesting is a gray zone conclusion, uh, one, may it be less obvious, is, you know what? What I see in Genesis chapter 3 is that God tried to get close to Adam and Eve even after they sinned. Okay? Another example. Let's move on to Genesis chapter 4. Some of the more obvious or black and white conclusions from that chapter are Cain. Jeez. He didn't want to listen to God and he stubbornly refused his counsel. I mean, they just jump off the stage and out of the scripture for you. Particularly if you've been a parent of a preteen or teen. You know what we're talking about here. Okay, well, what's a gray zone conclusion? A less obvious one. For me, from that same chapter, God initiated conversation with Cain, even though Cain was the one with the bad offering. Cain was the one with the bad attitude. And Cain was the one with the bad behavior. But God pursued him, wanted to help him, was gentle with him. I mean, that blows me away. <clears throat> to me, this is one of those gray zone observations. You, you really got to take your time and reflect for the Holy Spirit to bring that forth. Because you typically don't get that in conversation and maybe our own personal bias. I'm not, you know, casting any dispersing remarks about our preaching. I think our preaching is awesome and grace-motivated. But a lot of times we carry our own preconceptions, conclusions, or just laziness into studying the Bible. I'm trying to encourage us to break free from that. Okay, one that's a little closer to home even at our midweeks. We've been studying the Great Commission. Well, what are some of the more obvious black and white conclusions from that fantastic passage? Well, we need to share our faith everywhere we go. We need to baptize the lost, and we need to deliberately disciple the saved. And those are awesome black and white conclusions. But, or should I say, and there's more when we enter into the gray zone Here's what I see. Jesus desires and promises companionship with us. 
You see, sometimes we get so focused on the doing things for God, the black and white of Christianity, that we miss out on just being with him, enjoying his company with us in the gray zone. Now, I know I've thrown a lot of information your way this evening, so let me summarize with a few key takeaway convictions that I have. Number one, getting this all be on the website. Quality, quiet times that genuinely grow our faith can and should be a realistic expectation for all of us. And our character growth can significantly influence the next generation after us. Number two, Bible knowledge, wisdom, and discernment are virtues that are available to everyone in here. But they do require intentionality and deliberate discipleship to be realized. Lastly, I believe your personal Bible study, your evangelism can be and should be enjoyable. So we're going to break up into small groups. Here's two suggested uh, questions you might want to consider. For the uh, listening audience, I'll, I'll read them. Number one, how can or will this empty nester series influence my approach to my personal Bible study? Or you might want to consider discussing this question. Based upon this presentation, how might I alter my approach to sharing my faith with others? Either the lost, my household, or fellow disciples? You're not bound to just these two questions? Whatever's on your heart. Thank you.